Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. Man, great church too, by the way. I love all of y'all. God's doing something really sweet and special here. And we're, oh, uh, come on now. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Mom's voices. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, uh, we've got some other counseling, too. I just wanted to let you know. It is Sunday afternoon, the first Sunday afternoon after football season. We've got men that are going to need some crisis counseling. So as soon as church is over, we'll start lining you guys up. So I get it. Uh, Gang, starting a new series today and on family. Everybody say family. And uh, it's big and it's a broad topic and it's one of those topics where it's so challenging for me because I want to tell you 18 things as foundation and I'm going to zero in on just one thing, okay? So you're going to walk out going, well, he didn't talk about this and he didn't do that. I know, there's not time. Uh, But I am going to, I want to let you know kind of where this birthed out of. You can turn to Matthew chapter 16 and... um, I'm excited about this because it's going to be fun. We'll talk marriage, but it isn't all marriage. I want our young people to know. We're going to talk really more family central, not just marriage, but certainly next week we're going to have a lot of fun. I love teaching on marriage. It's just fun. Uh, but uh, so I, I am a, uh, I'll just, I've got an agreement with Stacy on this. When I get to heaven over at my house, and, I'm, and we're not supposed to be married in heaven as I can understand it, but I have been talking behind the scenes to see if we can visit. Uh, I'll just, you know, see what, I'm trying to work something out. But I've already let her know, look, when we get to heaven, I'm going to have lions, big lions, and tigers in my backyard. I mean, it's going to be a big backyard. I love big cats. I love them. And if I could hug them, I would. I've always just had this thing for them. And we took a vacation. We were able to go, and they had a little, this place that we went had a little mixture. I think it was a lion-tiger mix or leopard mix. Man, it was, a, it was like this big, cutest thing, big old paws. I was in heaven, in heaven. And uh, I, I watched these um, documentaries on these big lions. And uh, there's one, you, you can just click on it till you find something on Africa. You're, you're going to find one of these. They'll show a mama lioness. She has, you know, two or three cubs, usually two or three, and uh, they'll show her, you know, when they're little bitty and she's out being protective and, and uh, they're little guys. And then they'll show them getting a little bigger and they start to fight with each other and she's being protective. And then they'll show them grow up a little more and they'll follow it along with one of these very pleasant voices and they'll give her a name and give the three cubs a name and all of that, uh, how they're hunting. And your heartstrings get all attached. But uh, almost every one of these documentaries will also come upon a time, and I changed the channel, because uh, there's uh, something among the lion prides and the prides of lion that a male lion, if he is looking to take over the territory of another, take over another pride, another group of females, or if they should come on his territory, the male lion will kill those cubs. And on almost all of those documentaries, they'll, they'll, they'll show it, and a lot of times they'll lose one of those cubs, and I'm always angry when they show that, like, how could you do that? I mean, you just ruined dinner and everything else by showing all that. It's just awful to think this way, but this is how it is in, in the world of lions. Uh, I want to hear that. A lion, if he's trying to take over new territory, 
will come in and kill the cubs and sometimes kill the lioness. Scripture says this, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about family now. I just start, start to feel, get ahead of me here where I'm going with this. Uh, the Scripture says this about the devil, all right? And I believe he's real. I believe God's real. Uh, but 1 Peter 5, 8, now you're in, you're in Matthew, but just stay with me. says this, stay alert, be vigilant, some of your Scripture would say. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of sufferings as you. This scripture says that Satan roams around like a roaring lion. And what what he's trying to do is either kill, steal, or destroy your cubs. He's trying to kill, steal, or destroy you. And one morning I woke up just back in the fall when I started thinking about this series because I've got this alarm. The Bible says be vigilant, which means wake up, stay alert, see what the devil's doing, see what the strategy is to steal your children. Last year we made some changes in our children's department and we are still working diligently because an alarm bell went off in me that uh, the enemy's increased his uh, taking over territory work, but we haven't increased our be vigilant and knock him in the head. And so we, we, are, we, are, we are here to kick devil rear and take names. If you want to know a vision for raising children, just you can take that. You can tweet that if you want to. Our vision for our children is that they would rise up and kick rear and take names of the devil uh, because they're going to have to. I begin to see that the enemy is coming, and here's what he's looking to steal. While they're in your Christian home, he is coming in in a major attack to take over your territory, not by killing you or necessarily killing them. He's killing the life, though, that God created them to live by stealing identity. Everybody say identity. Identity. Unbelievable how many... uh, Trafficking uh, streams are coming into our children at the very youngest ages. And what the, the, the devil's strategy, and we are to know this, it's clear his strategy is to get hold of our children and indoctrinate them with who, it's not who they are, just in the world, just hear this, there's, there's two fathers in the spirit world. There's God the Father and the Father of lies. And somebody is going, the father is the one that gives the identity to the child and to the wife. The, father, the name comes from the father. Satan is coming as a false father to identify your children. And if you think that he's sensitive at all, that they're just two or just three years old, man, think again. He, he'll come in and kill your cub just as quickly. And not only that, he's been working forever on your identity. And all of us, and let me just say this right up front. Let me go ahead and say this about the entire marriage series. Uh, I, I recognize this is a pause commercial break here, but I recognize that some of you are m- married to your first wife, and as Pastor Reggie said, your second or third. I know some of you have blended families. Some of you are, are raising your children on your own. And uh, you, you could, as we talk through this, either have a lot of regret or some guilt. And just don't even go, I'm just telling you right now, don't even go there. When we talk about biblical ideals, all of us fall short currently, all of us. And this isn't about you know, measuring how well you've done. Here's what you need to know. All that we talk about, we'll talk about the anchor that, that is in the Bible, 
and we'll know that there's grace for you to start right wherever you're at. You get to start right where you're at. Your family gets to start today moving in that direction. So looking at this scripture and thinking through, though, what the strategy of the enemy is against our families, he's looking to steal your identity. Talk about identity theft. He's wanting you to think you're something you're not. And he certainly doesn't want you to know that your father in heaven has actually named you and you can actually start moving in that direction to live out. When I say identity, so let's, that's a big old word and it gets thrown around and stuff. Here's, I mean this. Every child and every human is born with these three questions and you can ask any psychologist, psychiatrist. It's, it's in the human person, all of us. And whether you're 80 or eight days old, here's the question. Who am I? Where do I belong? Said another way, who loves me? Who accepts me? Who has, who has taken me in? And then the third question is this, why am I here? And it doesn't matter. By the way, who am I? You would say, well, you know, when, as a child, you would say that. No, here's what you need to know. Built into your human and me, throughout our life, these questions keep coming up. Wait a minute, who am I? Where do I belong? Do, or do I belong? You ever hit situations and seasons in your life? I've had this happen where I go, man, I don't think I fit. I just don't fit in this, I don't fit. It's very uncomfortable. Doesn't mean there's necessarily something broken. It just means those questions are gonna keep coming up. And however you answer those questions, and let me say it another way, whatever source you go to, this may be the bigger deal. You're gonna answer that question all over the board. But what I wanna get you to today is let's get the right source for where you go for your identity, okay? Uh, and it's going to be obvious to you, but I mean, it's one thing to know the answer. It's another thing to do the answer. So we're going to help you with that. But the reason I, I, I bring this up, I, I come from the old school. And when I say the old school now, I mean I was raised in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Uh, you know, Stacey and I came from parents, and I would say this somewhat similarly of the families we were raised in, raised in families where the dad provided, protected, and disciplined. And, uh, and our dads didn't, I'll, just, I'll speak more for my dad. My dad was a, a very distant uh, emotionally. I, don't, I can't remember more than five conversations. And I'm not saying this in any way to beat my dad. It's not at all. I hadn't spent any hours in counseling. Probably should have. But nonetheless, my dad was, that's just what I knew fathering to be. So we weren't intentional. I, I didn't know to father any other way. So I'm sure I did a lot of the same thing I saw, Stacy saw. We, I, I say it this way. What we did right, we kind of did by accident. And what we did wrong, we just did by ignorance. And, uh, and, and things don't fit perfectly into right and wrong boxes when you're, when you're parenting kids. But when we grew up, though, when I grew up, 60s and 70s, uh, there, were, there were basically three, well, there were several identities. You could be a kicker. You could be a dopey, you know, dope guy. You could be a jock. Uh, but when it came to just genders... This is what's difficult, and I know our young people are growing up in a culture where there's just so many options for just gender, but growing up, you know, there was, there was boy and girl, and I feel almost silly saying this like, like I need to say it, but there was two genders. Uh, I did a, a search of the glossary of Facebook, and uh, today there are 51 gender identities available. 51 gender identities. There is sexual identity. I can't even, 
We didn't ask. My mother never asked me, Randy, now that you're four years old, what would you like to be, a boy or a girl? No one ever came and asked. The biology cleared it up. And, but today, out floating in this culture and, and well accepted, and our young people are being raised with all of these multiple options. And here's the thing, the enemy's smart. The more options you have, the more confused you stay. And the, and the more people you're asking, who am I? Are you my mother? Or the more people you're asking who you are, the more answers you're gonna get based on how broken they are and where their source is. And so uh, when it comes to sexual identity, uh, the multiple sexual identities, that, that, and there's more than this, but the simple ones are gay or lesbian, asexual, which means the lack of sexual attraction to either gender, pansexual, which means just at any time, just the potential to go either direction at, e at varying and sundry intensity levels, bisexual, uh, again, both ways, transgender, uh, you've seen, seen that, and so, and, and more and more and more and more, I just got the biggies there, I kind of stopped. But gang, all of this, and, and this hadn't always been, this is a phenomena of our day. There's been some confusion, but never 51 versions of a gender and so as we get into this series, I want you to hear our source and only source. And for, for the start of this series, please hear me. I want you to get rid of everything that isn't based on the Bible. Everything. Ah, uh, but uh, this is not fair and it's exclusive. Yes, it's exclusive. I'm going to say just be exclusively biblical. Matthew 17 says this that a wise man builds his house on the rock. And when the storms come, because storms are coming, when the storm comes, that house is gonna keep standing. An unwise man, a foolish man, builds his house on the sand. Why on the sand? Because sand will conform to you. It'll, it'll be kinda like whatever you want it to be. The rock, when you get on it, it doesn't move. It might not be comfortable, but you can count on that rock being there when the storm comes. A foolish man builds his house on the sand because he can shift and change his mind and be pretty limber. But here's what the scripture says. When the storm comes on a sandy foundation, the storm comes and that house is flattened. And if you think of your home, your building of your family, we're building on the rock. And a part of this has to be kind of a, a Clint Eastwood-eyed, lock-jawed, I'm going to go to one source and I'm gonna build my family on the rock. The scripture says this, the man who hears these words of mine and does them, yes. and does them, this man is the wise man who builds on the rock. And so every bit of counsel we give, and I know there's Oprah's and Chopra's and Dr. Phil's and all kinds of great people, anything they might say that's right, if it's right, it's because it's, it's principled in the scripture. But I, I need some people here to, to, to get a bit radicalized in the way that you think and break off of this. Wait a minute, if we got 51 options, doesn't that mean that we're gonna miss something? No, you don't need more options. You have one option, so, uh, and that's the Bible. And so I'm just, just, if you wanna succeed, you're gonna need to get on the Bible. So uh, all of those things said, my, my burden in this family series is that each of you would create your own little pride, understand that a part of what the church is, we are a big old pride, and, and here's the good news, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah oversees the pride, and uh, there is no lion that can get past him, 
but you're going to hear today. You are going to hear today because in saying that, you can go, well, gosh, we just rest and hang out and just pray and it's all cool. You're going to hear today that you have some responsibility in what comes in and out of your house and you have authority. And if you don't use it, you're going to get scratched up. All right. So with that said, I want you to hear how Jesus describes some very basic blocking and tackling for the building of his family. Everybody with me so far? Matthew 16, 13 says, when Jesus arrived in the village of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what are people saying about who I am? What's the identity people are imposing on me? They replied, some think he's John the baptizer, some say you're Elijah, some Jeremiah or other prophets. He pressed them, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. Important question. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from a teacher. My father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who you really am, who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the the rock on which I will put together my church, or I'm gonna say it this way. This is what I'm gonna build my family on. That's what the church is. It's the family of Jesus. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have a complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys, everybody say keys. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. And yes on earth, a yes on earth is a yes in heaven. No on earth is a no in heaven. Another version of that particular, that verse 19 says this, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth, it will be permitted in heaven. So here's the first thing with regard to building the family. You come into the family through Jesus Christ. Again, I, I kind of made my point already, and that is that you, you, the, the only way you can know your identity is you've got to get back to your original father because he's the one from whom you've come. And so the only way back to God, to your heavenly father, is through Jesus Christ. That's why he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? We got to start right here. And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This is a picture of what salvation is. The awakening that God brings to our hearts by his grace so that we can see that's my savior. That's home. Yes. And we say yes to Jesus and we receive Jesus. And it is from that starting point. So let me say this. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as savior, you, you will never, ever have the equipment to begin to put together who you are as a person. There's not another way. He, is, he, is, he, he was, he is, and he is to come. In him, all things hold together. Your life, my life, and all things that make sense or don't make sense, God was, is, is where, that, that is your origin. If you try to find your, your upstream line, if you want to do a, what do you call that, those tree ancestry.com things, if you actually take it back to where it really comes from, you're of the bloodline of God. You, you come from him. That's where we come from. So to understand how to answer that question that he put in you, who am I and where do I belong and from whom am I loved, we've got to get back to him. So just why I said, first step number one, 
Everybody, number one priority of you as a parent, that me and my husband are saved, me and my wife are saved, and that all of my children come to know Jesus. Absolutely, it's number one priority, all right? They may get wambly on you. How many of you know storms will come? Go ahead and let you know. Some of you got small children. You're the, you know, life's perfect. You and Bubba are just, just got it going on, and you're homeschooling them, and they're just perfect, and all your little Facebook pictures are just awesome, and you know, it's just like Jesus and Jesus Jr. right there. And uh, <laughs> hear me. They're plain old humans, and so are y'all. Yeah. And uh, y'all are going to get crazy at some point. Just hang in there. And I'm not, it's, not a, it's not a prophecy. I'm not, you know, oh, don't speak evil over me. I'm not. I'm, I'm being, I'm a realist. And I'm telling you, you're more broken than you even know. And uh, he's going to say the wrong thing, and you're going to jack him right in the eye. And it's going to be on, and it'll take you years to get over all of that. And your kids are going to, you know, if you have two or three of them, and if you have one, you might be able to keep them subdued or drugged or something. To, but if you have more than one, one of them's going to get a little crazier than the other ones. They just are. I'm talking Jesus-loving, spirit-filled, Bible-talking, all of that. Uh, they're going to you know, get a little wambly on you. And so storms are going to come. And that's not anything to be afraid of. It's like point, build on the rock. Because uh, when it comes and everybody gets shaken, and you go, oh, my God, who is this child? And all that um, must be from your side of the family. You got, you got that wrong. <laughs> You're going to need something solid. So we come into the kingdom. Salvation says, therefore, from now on, we regard one, uh, no one according to the flesh. Now, I'm talking about identity because it's so important. Coming to Jesus is how, how identity begins. When you come to Christ, we no longer regard one according to the flesh. We don't identify him by how they're acting. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. And here's what I want to say by that. Uh, old things from how you identify you pass away, and all things become new to you. But who you are before you're saved and after you're saved, the identity God has for you, it is not new to him. Salvation introduces you to your rightful heavenly father, and he introduces you to the name you've always had, your identity. I don't mean a specific name, but who you are. And gang, so this is the first thing. And again, uh, when, when he said, I am the Christ, and how do you build your family, and how does God build his family? Again, he's saying, you have now become my one and only source that I'm going to seek out for who I am, all right? Not your friends, not Oprah, not the internet, not Google search, God. I got one source I go to to figure out who I am, all right? So important, gang, not to walk in a bunch of mixture. One single source. All right, there's an antichrist spirit upon this church. You know, there's not so much an anti-God spirit in our nation. People are comfortable with with God, you know, uh, we believe in God. Well, okay, you and everybody else. Uh, where it gets tricky is when you say, no, we believe in the Christ, the Messiah. I, I, wanna, I wanna be very strong right here. It is important that we not have any mixture in our message or how we walk as believers because it's kind of in vogue to kind of have some options out there. And you can, just by the fact that there's 51 gender options, that's why it's so important that we get to the Bible. I want to clear that one up for you. Just, so let's just play, let's just, let's just work with that one right there. When you go to the Bible and you're talking with your family 
and we say, look, how many gender options are you? Well, 40, 50. No, we come to the Bible, and the Bible says in Genesis chapters, I think, three and five, it says this, God created him, male and female, he created them. Yes. Now, that's the Bible. You need to know before you leave this room, there are only two sources of gender. And that I would be here needing to take a moment to explain that tells you the deceptive spirit that is moving because I have to, I have to. And I will get email. Oh, somebody's going to say, how can you say that? And uh, the, the whole kind of, you, you know, live your own truth is kind of how, you know, the, the verbiage right now. And what that means is whatever is true for you, it has nothing to do with your biology it has to do with your choices and whatever truth you make up, you live that. There's no longer right and wrong and left and right and all that. It's just kind of whatever's true for you. We're not at odds with each other. We're just different than each other. This is, the, this is just, just nuts. I mean, it's really just it's, it's nuts. And our young people are getting raised in this thinking just culturally. And I'm, I'm not saying you're nuts. I'm just saying that this thinking... Go, we're going to go back to the Bible. Thomas is going to help you get back on the Bible so that when your friends are saying, well, I think I'm a boy, I think I'm this and that, you don't have to guess at that. You don't have to worry about that. And here's the thing about the Word of God. The world can be confused, but don't you be confused. Right. Multiple times, Stacy and I would be in parenting things, and I'm telling you, when your, your kids are teenagers and they get on up, they can out-argue you. They, they, they put on the lawyer hat, and you can think, you know, they're, they're very convincing. Uh, but we, we, sometimes we'd have to take a step back and go, you know what? Here's the deal. We're not confused. I'm not confused. I mean, th th they may be hyped up and anxious and emotions flying and all that. Uh, uh, go ahead. I'm not confused. I'm anchored in the Word of God. Yes. That settles it. All right? So we're starting from solid ground. Right? Build on the rock. Okay. Next. Uh Regarding your identity, and, and so when you build on the rock, you're going to build on the Word of God, you're going to need to, to, to start using your Bible. Okay? If, if Sunday is the only time you hear the Word of God, you're going to fail at this. You're going to have to go to fight for you, and you're going to need to get the Word in you. We can help give you those tools, but I just want to show you how you fortify your identity in Christ. When you come to Christ, the Bible tells you who you are. You're not going to feel it. Okay, let me back that up because everybody's looking at me. Okay, we're built and just simply accept that whatever we feel is the loudest truth about us. I don't feel saved. I don't feel loved. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel forgiven. All, all that. Okay, so let me show you. You have to take your feelings and subdue them one more time, by the word of God. Yes. The word is true, and if your feelings don't endorse the truth, it's your feelings that are off. Yes. All of us deal with this, top to bottom, young, old, everybody deals with this. Our feelings get infected, I don't feel loved, I don't feel pretty, I don't feel accepted, don't feel forgiven, all that. Guys, I'll tell you this all the time, I don't feel saved three out of, well, five out of seven days in a week. I don't feel like praying when I first wake up. I don't feel a lot of things. Here's, here's what happens. Your feelings are the reflection of thought, okay? They're the reflection of thought that are coming into you. This, this, is, this, is, this is proven. What you speak 
The power of your spoken word can trump what you're thinking and what you're feeling. That's why the scripture says, Joel, I think it's Joel 3, says this, let the weak say, I am strong. So I want to give you a practical and don't go, oh, he just means read it. I want you to speak the word of God over your life to fortify who you are. I'll give you just a handful of scriptures here, but you can find these all day long. This is a good thing to Google. You want to Google who I am in Christ scriptures? You'll get 400 of them. I am of God. That means my origin is from God. I am of God. 1 John 4, 5 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Say that scripture out loud and say, I, Randy Harvey, I am of God. That's where I'm from. It's what I'm of. My DNA is from God. Number two, I'm loved and accepted. I am, Ephesians 1, 6 says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted. One of the hardest things that we do is feel like we've been made acceptable. It's going to be rare that you're going to feel acceptable. You say it because the word of God is truer than your feelings. If you just, if you're waiting to feel saved and holy and all that, you're going to get trapped. You're never going to get to enjoy and experience who God says you actually are. You're tracking with me. Speak the word of God. I am chosen. I'm a chosen child of God. It wasn't by accident. He came and found me because he loved me. Romans 8, 15 says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you. He came to the orphanage, picked you out and said, I want you. He adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father or Daddy God for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I, as you look at me right now, I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. This isn't, I'm gonna gonna do my time and I'm gonna make it and have as much fun as I can and win as many people to Jesus. But it is to, to, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. When I get to heaven, I'm actually going to be home. I am valuable to God. Matthew 10 talks about how valuable we are. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139, and I, and I would encourage you, if you've never really even done what I'm talking about here, kind of put everything else I've, I've just said, put it out of your mind. In the morning, pick up your Bible and open to Psalm 139. Just start there and begin to read. You know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. I mean, just David talking about I'm known by God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Number six, I was loved, accepted, and given valuable purpose by God before I was ever born. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you prophet to the nation. God knew who you would be, what you were called to be, what your identity would be, what your purpose was before your mom and dad ever thought about you. God knew you. You are on purpose. You're not an accident. And because of that, to know this information, we don't ask Oprah. We go back to dad. Dad. All right? I could go on and on. I belong to God, Psalms 103. Know that the Lord, he is good. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. 
I have a God-given, God-established purpose, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. I am. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the things God planned for us to do long ago. And on and on. So I want you to get this in you, and I want you to, and again, you got to do this for you. Okay? So I want you to Google it, who I am in Christ. It'll give you 400 scriptures. You find the ones that fight the insecurity you fight the most, and don't just read them, say them. Get in your car, say them. Speak the word of God. Fortify it, right? Number three, possessing your identity in Christ is a lifestyle, not an event. Okay? Possessing your identity in Christ, it's a lifestyle. So here's what I'm saying. Jesus says to Simon, here's, so here's what Simon's name means. Simon's name, it's got two meanings in the original language. It means one who listens or hears, and it means a, a reed, a wavering reed, or reed blowing in the wind. And so the beauty of that for a preacher is like, oh, that's so perfect. That means, Simon Peter, you're listening to every other opinion and everybody who says something about you, and because of that, you're not stable at all. You're just, you go from here to there. You're a reed blowing in the wind. People call you Simon. Your daddy called you Simon. Everybody calls you Reed. It's like, oh, there's that unstable guy again. And that's what you answer to currently. That's how you identify. I'm telling you, before you were born, I named you. And your, your name was? It wasn't unstable, going with everybody's opinion. That wasn't you. You were rocky. You are stable. I count on you. In fact, I'm going to drop the keys to leading this group of 11 guys, 12 guys, and the building of the church, I'm going to leave the leadership to you because I know who you are, even though you don't currently feel it. You tracking with me? So now here's this guy, like you and me, he comes to Jesus. He's got one identity that everybody in the community knows him, man. The kids used to call him that. His daddy calls him that, and he calls himself that, and that's what he answers to. Kind of shaky, big mouth, stick his foot in his mouth all the time. And then he's got Jesus saying, no, you are rock solid. You're a difference maker. You're going to change the world. You're going to be a part of establishing the church that's going to rescue the planet. He's hearing this, but he's experiencing this. And here's what God is saying about his identity, and this is what your life's going to be about. This is who you are. It's unchangeable. But this is where you're starting. Your life, it's, it's not an event like, oh, I get up here, I get my hands laid on, and boom, everything changes. No. You begin to take on who God says you are. Starting here, you start to move that direction. Everything in God, ladies and gentlemen, everything in God is like this. He makes you a promise, and then he says this, by faith now, possess what I've given you. Israel, I'm giving you Canaan land. Giving it, you're giving it, giving it, giving it. Oh, man, Canaan is promised land. And then he says to Israel, now you go possess it. It's yours, but you've got to exercise faith, all right, and go possess it. What I'm speaking to you is the truth and solid as can be, and what God says about you is solid. But you finding your experience and experiencing who he says you are, you're going to have to get it in your mind. That's mine. I'm going to get it. Whatever giants are on that, I'm going to overcome it. Whatever obstacles i got to overcome, I'm going to possess what God says is mine. And we watch in the life of Simon Peter. Man, he goofed up and goofed up and goofed up. It was a little while. In fact, when Jesus was floating up into the sky and the disciples were going, you're leaving us? This is, this is not a good time. Uh, my son made a great point in one of our staff meetings. The disciples weren't ready to take command of winning the world when Jesus left them. 
I mean, if I were the counselor, if I would have been consulting, I would have said, Jesus, da 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 whoa, 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 come back down here. These guys aren't ready. Oh, look at them. Jesus let the pressure of that responsibility drop on them, and that pressure shaped them to reach for. God will always call you to something that's so far over your head, you'll either drown, quit, or you'll bow your knee and say, God, I need you. And boy, he's waiting to hear that and go, gotcha. I was waiting for you to say that. I need you so he can put inside you what you're, you're in need of. And that's what he did for Simon Peter. That's what he's doing in your life. So what God says about you, you're not gonna walk out of here feeling it. That's my point. You tracking with me? Yes. All right, say it this way. I'm old enough, and I told you I was old. But uh, again, before we, uh, before we took pictures of our lunch and sent it out to the internet and did all that, and when their phones were still attached to the wall, uh, I grew up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And some of you, how many of you remember, and these aren't that long ago, but how many of you remember uh, Blockbusters? Okay, a Blockbuster, or you remember DVDs, right? So DVD, okay, so I'm, I'm, very, I'm tech savvy. <laughs> but used to when you play a DVD, well, uh, the later ones actually, the first ones that didn't, but you put a DVD in, they would show you the different, uh, the different stages, like, like uh, scene one, Scene two, scene three, scene four, scene five. They would show you those, and you could kind of click through them. And, uh, you know, if you had started the movie halfway in, you could go to scene seven where you left off. That's why they did that. Y'all remember that? They put those scenes up there. Well, here's the deal. If you wanted to click to scene 14 at the end of the movie, you, you could click on it and realize the guy, the guy uh, get, gets the gold and gets the girl. Uh, you know, he wins. The, the, the good guy wins, and he gets the girl, Right? That way, when you're watching scene one and two and scene three gets weird and scene five gets crazy, here's what you know. I've already seen scene, I've seen the last scene. So when God looks at you, and here's why you need to know he's got it. When he tells you who you are, he's telling you this is the last scene of the movie. So that when scene three comes and your teenager wigs out on you, you know you know what, it's freaky right now. Got a couple hours wait to, to get, but I know how this turns out. I know how this turns out. I can rest in where I'm going and I'll spend my life a lifestyle pursuing what God says is mine, all right? So, all right. So let me get on down here. I uh, don't regret a lot in my parenting and I, and I think if I can get you to walk away with this one thing, I'm gonna consider it a, a good start to this series. Uh, don't, uh, I don't, I'm not the kind of guy, I don't look back and go, oh, I can't believe I did that, and let's relitigate it in my mind and real feel, you know, re, re-feel bad about certain moments. It's just a rare thing for me, okay? I don't, there's no value in it. Again, what Stacy and I, we got right as both in our marriage, I mean, we lost one of ours for uh, two or three days, I don't know, he came back. Uh, but no, we lost him in a mall, we found him. Uh, you, you experiment on your, you know, what we did right, honestly, we just, we loved each other, we did what our parents did, and, and quite honestly, I didn't even know there was materials out there to help you get better at all this. We were so busy just trying to make a living and keep these kids, you know, fed and all that. We didn't have time to think about, let's go to the James Dobson class and see how to parent correctly, you know? We were just kind of like, ah, close enough, throw them out there, looks like the rest of the kids. And, uh, you know, we were parented that way. So, uh, but I will tell you this, there is a scene, there's a scene that does come back to my mind, 
And uh, because it do, does, it causes me to want to say, let, let's make one good point today. Every sermon, somebody, I heard somebody say, uh, somebody asked a professor, how many points should a good sermon have? And that professor said, at least one. So uh, <laughs> I think I've got at least one good point here. This, this is really, so uh, there's a scene in my son, my first one, by the way, all of you firstborns, I'm so sorry. Because uh, uh, parents are experimenting on all the firstborns. You know, there's rolling a dice like, hey, that looks like a good idea. And, uh, you know, you go by the book and you realize there's no book. You need an individual manual for every single unique child. There's just no one book that works. And so you get some things right. And, you, you know, you call mom and you, you know, ask people at the church. But, you know, you get some things right. And then, you, then, then there's the, oops, you, know, you get some things wrong. So. So we're experimenting, and my, my uh, oldest son, I think he's third or fourth grade, something like that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired and busy and you know, like everybody else. And he comes home, and he's frustrated, and he's been crying, and he's, he's very, very upset. My first time to deal, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, if I could get this one back, I'd get this one back. And uh, he, he said, uh, Dad, he's, I remember sitting on the couch, Dad, the kids at school are calling me this name. And he was very upset. And uh, when he said the name, I was so personally insulted by it. I was like, you know, uh, you remember the story of Elisha when Elisha cursed those 42 kids and two she-bears came out and mauled them all? Yeah. I was like, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> pray the Bible, pray the word. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm just thinking of these uh, what, what, just in that moment, I was already impatient that he was slowing me down. Anybody, other fathers identify with a moment like this? I was already impatient, like, what, what kind of, what, Tom? And, uh, man, he said, Dad, they're calling me this, and he was crying. He was very frustrated, and uh, I was frustrated at him. That's where my frustration went. I was like, and, and I know I made him feel dumb as a little guy because I said, Tyler, that, that is the dumbest thing. You go tell those kids, and I probably use some prison words. I, I was so angry. I said, you go tell those kids this and that and this and that, and uh, stop listening to them. And, and I just belittled it, and I was uncomfortable that it even, the subject even came up. And he was sitting there um, trying to get an answer from his dad. And I was in a hurry to get past the moment. And here's what I didn't know. My cub, I just told my cub, you toughen up and you get out there and you face that lion by yourself. And I didn't realize it. And he did. I, I don't know what changes may have been for him and I don't know that that was a make or break moment. I just know that moment comes up in my mind I don't regret much. But I wish I would have known then what I'm about to tell you now, okay? Jesus was talking to Simon about identity. He was saying, Simon, this is what they've called you all these years. Everybody calls you this. Wimpy, missed the mark, undependable. Going with every, whichever wind the, the blow, that's, that's what people have called you. 
Now that's not your fault. But up to this point, that's also what you've answered to. That's what you're thinking. Said, now here's the deal. I can't keep people from calling you Simon. But I'm telling you, you don't answer to that anymore. This is what identity shift looks like. Your name is Petrus. Your name is rock solid, dependable church built on, not on Peter, but on the process of come to Jesus, have your identity change, and get the keys and authority of the family. Get them in your hands. That, that's the church. And that's how God's family is, is built. He was telling him, and this is what I'd say to you. It's what I wish I could have told my son. It doesn't matter what they call you. It's what you answer to. It doesn't matter what mama calls you, daddy calls you. Some of you here have been identified stupid, dumb, never going to amount to anything, disappointment. Some of you have been marked ugly, whatever. You've been identified poor. And when you're a kid, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. As you get older, that's why I love this. Jesus was saying, look, now that you're a big boy, I'm gonna give you keys, which means I'm gonna give you authority. You don't have to take, the keys locked from the inside. Whatever you lock out, I'll back you from heaven. Whatever you unlock and open to say, come on into my home, I'll back you from heaven. But here's what you need to know. I'm not gonna do this for you. You are gonna have to take the keys of this authority and, and no longer are you gonna be Simon. You are, you are, you're gonna answer to dependable, rock solid. And here's what I'd say to everyone in here. There's some of you that you go to your, your adult parents and you still feel when they start talking to you. How many of you yeah, are gonna do that? How many of you were raised with a dominant mother or father? Somebody was very dominant in your home. Chances are strong, and lots of us were. Chance, chances are if you had a very domineering parent, they imposed something on you as a child and it created, really what it does is it, sh it shuts down creativity uh, psychologists would say it this way. You've got an upper and a lower brain or a right and a left. Uh, upper brain is where your creativity, all your free thinking is. And when you're feeling safe, really how God crafted you to, to uh, birth great and new and fresh onto the planet is with that part of your brain. But if you're in an environment where you are oppressed and you feel unsafe, in other words, there's a lot of criticism in the air, Mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, whatever, husband, wife, any atmosphere where there's lots of criticism in the air, your lower brain takes over, your, your, your creative side starts to shut down because being safe is more important than, than living who you really are. And it shuts you down. And you, you get trained to respond to that tone. You're used to saying, oh, that's right, Dad's, Dad just said it again. Some of you are adult, adults, and when you go to visit your adult parents, that same effect they still had on you. Here's, here's what I want you to know. No longer. Not because of a miracle today. 
but because God is telling you, I've given you the keys. Now, you can't keep your father or your mother from talking to you that way. You cannot control that. But you can say this, I'm not answering to that anymore. I'm not answering to that. If you're going to go there, I can drive and I'm gone. It is all right to have an adult conversation with the people that have tormented you with their words, be they husband, wife, dad, mom, mother-in-law, you, listen, you're not responsible for how they talk to you and you can't control them and sitting there butting heads and fighting with them, that's not gonna create a whole lot of good. But you can control whether you're gonna stay in that environment. There, there's husbands and wives that probably need to have some conversations that sound something like this. Listen, I love you to pieces, but you're choking the life out of me. When you talk like this, when you flood the atmosphere with criticism, all I can think about is how to stay out of the way. Now, I can't keep you. I'm asking you to please work on this, but I can't make you do that. But as of today, I can lock the door from the inside and say, I've got to protect me. I'm not answering to this anymore. You just need to know we're going to have some issues. I am not going to answer to this kind of talk. I have control. The doors of your life, they open, they lock from the inside. Yes. Right? Remember how Jesus said, I stand at the door yes. right. and knock because you've got the authority to open that door, even to God. Okay? Now, if, if we had time, we'd go through the gates, uh, the emotional gate. God's given you the key, keys to, to all of your emotions. They're just chatting all the time. You've been informed today. They are not honest. Okay, the entertainment gate, moms, dads, that, that, that'd be movies, cell phone, all internet craziness. That stuff, the devil is flooding into your home and grabbing your children by that iPhone you gave them. Okay, so, and I, so here's what I mean. Don't allow your children on the internet unsupervised. Don't know where they're going. There's a study, I think it was over 60% of parents, seven-year-olds and, and older are being handed uh, uh, cell phones and they don't, they don't, they're too busy to monitor them. What in the world? And, and I know some of you are like, oh, we're so busy, this just keeps them entertained. Just know where they're going and what they're doing. The best suggestion I ever heard is don't get them a, get them a dumb phone. Get your teenagers a home dumb phone. Look, when you're going out with old Bozo, you better have that phone with you because if you call me, I'm going to put a knot on his head. But look, you take a dumb phone. But we've got to shut, listen, now, moms and dads, we got to get at the gate of the floodwaters. And frankly, yes. the biggest floodwaters are coming through the internet. And this will not be popular with your, with your kids to say, I'll put the password on that. And here's what will be accessible, and here's what won't be accessible. And there's a little tag that lets me know exactly where you're at. But if you abuse the privilege of that phone, and gang, look, if I was a teenager and had a smartphone, going to church three times, look, I would be bad. I'm sorry. It's just a lot of temptation to go, I'm sorry. I don't know how else to say it. We're humans. Now, I'm not lessening. Grace doesn't give permission for sin nor overlook it gives us power to overcome it. But when he says, look, I'm throwing you some keys, shut the gate, yeah. shut the gate. Uh, this, you know, I'll, I'll let y'all work that out in your, your family business, but lots of gates, your friend gate, 
man, who's, who's hanging around you? Who's hanging around your kids? I remember there were kids that, you know, we were good with them coming to our house, hanging out a little. But I'm telling you, this one over here, man, she ran a little girl off one time. I won't get all into it. <laughs> Went to the mall with my son and said, you are not dressed appropriately, and this won't be happening tonight. And uh, like, Mama Bear, don't do not jack with Sister Stacy with her kids. Uh, but, it, but you know what that is? That's going, oh, I got the keys to this. I, I've got authority, and anything that comes in my house, it's because I allowed it. Anything that I kick out of my house is because I disallowed it. And I don't say that to guilt everybody here. I'll just say, you've got the authority, enough authority from God that you need to bolster your own identity and to begin to transfer that to shaping the identity of your children. And gang, if you don't, the devil is, I've never seen it. This is a phenomena of earth. The identity crisis, the identity attack. It's unbelievable that I even have to sit and talk about this because it, it defies logic. That's how we know the spirit of Antichrist is fired up and he's coming after your cubs, coming after you. And this is one of the key areas. We are going to talk about this from a biblical standpoint from here on out through this series. This week, here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to just think through what, it, what, what am I answering to that I need to go, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Don't butt heads with your husband or wife just to do it, but be constructive. And if you need some help, be at the conference. Even if you don't need the help, you need to be at the conference. But if you need further help, get with Dr. Jim or some of the counselors and let's work it out. We're all working on our marriages. Sometimes the dominator doesn't know they're being, you know, they don't know they're being a jerk. They don't know it. They're trying to control. They think they're helping. So, man, we need to talk. But uh, anyway, you've got the keys. Enough said. Stand to your feet. Prayer teams to the front, please. Some folks in this room, and gang, uh, our closing prayer will be a simple one, and that is if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, you, there's not a hope, there's not one hope of you ever beginning the journey to become who God says you are. You don't even have a hope. You've got to get back to your father and there's only one way and it's through Jesus Christ. It's when you say you are the Christ, the son of the living God that he can say back, you've told me who I am now, let me tell you who you are and it's in that order. So with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I would just ask if you're here and you've never received Jesus Christ as your savior, I trust the Holy Spirit is doing something on your insides. You're a little uncomfortable, a little warm or you're thinking what do I do to be saved? What must I do? Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do Father God, you said you opened the mind of Simon so he could hear and understand. Wait a minute, that's Jesus. I believe that miracle is happening right now. Go, God, go. Holy Spirit, open eyes, open understanding so that men and women can be saved. And God, as you're doing that, church, we're gonna pray a prayer all together, everybody praying. And if you've never received Jesus, if you'll say this prayer sincerely, you will be saved. Everyone praying after me, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you and I'm fully responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived for me. He bled for me and he died for me. 
so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be saved. I believe, God, you raised him from the dead. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, as Messiah the Christ. I receive salvation. I surrender my life. I am all yours. Please introduce me to the Father. Thank you, God. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, you are moving on hearts and lives and minds. And men and women right there, some folks in this room right now, just got reconnected, got on the road to the Father. And all of heaven is rejoicing. Another child's come home. So I bless these lives now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Our final act of worship is in the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And Lord, this is another one of those places where you've, you've made a promise and then you've said, now go possess that promise. And one of the ways that we take a step toward the promise of financial blessing is in stewarding and giving of our finances. And so with that promise, we bring our tithe, our offerings, our financial gifts, and I thank you that we get to do this now. Receive them as an act of worship, and thank you that the blessing of heaven is upon our homes and our financial life. I speak, Lord God, for increase in income, blessing on investments. I pray for promotions to come. Lord, for those that have lost jobs, I thank you, God, for better and more gainful employment to come to every person that's sitting here right now without a job. And I thank you that the blessing and favor of God's upon the finances of these families, Lord. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.